Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. I guess there's a little bit of rebellion in my heart. I hate preaching a Thanksgiving message on Thanksgiving. I just feel I hate to get forced into that box. But this is a Thanksgiving message, y'all. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. There's 100,000 pastors preaching from this verse this morning. But I think it's important for us to see this. The New Living Translation says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus hear people asking all the time in the body of Christ, what is God's will for me? Well, there's part of it right there in that verse. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the chance to to gather together with people of like faith. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we begin to break the bread of life today, that you would nourish our bodies, that you would open our eyes, that you would challenge us, convict us, help us, Lord, to hear what it is that, that you brought us here to, uh, to know, and I pray that we would receive it, and not just understand it, but put it into practice so that we can glorify your name more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is the Thanksgiving season. People who've been complaining for the last 11 months are now posting <laughs> positive stuff, encouraging stuff, trying to take a break from, the, uh, from, from all the crying and whining and do some positive stuff. But, uh, but people, though people are focused on, uh, on trying to have this disposition of gratefulness, this disposition of thanks in the month of uh, November, it, what's clear from this verse that we just read is that for followers of Jesus, we're supposed to carry an attitude of gratitude all the time, right? That'd be a good place for you to say an enthusiastic amen. We're supposed to have an attitude of gratitude all the time, not just in the good times, But that scripture says, in every circumstance, it's the will of God for us to be grateful. The will of God in every circumstance. So listen, that means gratitude is not just a decoration. It's not just an add-on option, uh, an optional feature for us to to try to carry. It, It is a foundational disposition for the believer and the follower of Jesus. And I believe that 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 works together with other foundational beliefs and other foundational fruits that produces incredible spiritual benefits for us. And that's what we're going to talk about very quickly today. I know that we've got lots of things going on. It may start today. Many of you are anticipating things going on this week. Uh, I'm not going to take a great deal of time today. Um, And and I'll ever say that, so y'all hold me to that. And don't get used to it. Um, but we're going we're gonna to go through the Word today, and I think some things that, that we can uh, feed off of during the week. And then in, the, in just a few minutes, we're going to partake of communion together. Okay, So we're going to start in Luke chapter, uh, chapter 17, Luke 17, 
a real familiar um, account from the Gospel of Luke. In verse 11, it says this, And Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem. Uh, as he continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Now, let's get a little context because there are a lot of strange-sounding statements in there that you need to see how they fit together. The border between Galilee and Samaria was more than just a geographical border or even a political border. It was also a religious border and a racial border. The Jews considered the Samaritans to be racially inferior half-breeds. It was a, they were a mingling, the product of a mingling of Jewish and Gentile blood that left both sides with a strong dislike for each other. They couldn't stand each other. The, the Jews believed the Samaritans had perverted the, the, the right practice of God by trying to worship him without going to the temple in Jerusalem. The Samaritans, on the other hand, believed that the Jews were unnecessarily strict just to keep them out. And it just went on and on. They, they found reasons to hate each other. The interesting thing is that these ten men found something that united them despite all of their division, and that was the leprosy. Their shared disease um, cut across all the other divisions that would have kept them separate in their regular lives, but now they realize that despite all the barriers that would divide them, um, they are now separate from everybody else, no matter which side of the border they're on. The reality for them was they're not welcome at home, no matter where home is. Leprosy was a very highly contagious skin disorder. And so those who had the misfortune of, of having leprosy were forced to live in little communities, little leper colonies outside of their cities uh, with other diseased individuals. And so it was in this backdrop that Jesus encounters these 10 men. It says they cry out to him from a distance. It's not that they didn't have the energy to close the gap and have a face-to-face conversation with Jesus. They were, by law, required to stay at a distance. And they cried out to Jesus to heal them. They cried out to Jesus for mercy. They asked for mercy from the one man that they heard might have a possibility of healing them. They, they called him master. And Jesus was indeed their only hope. See, there was no exit strategy for people who were in these communities. If you, were, if you had to go live in a, in a community like this, it was a death sentence. Very, very rarely did anyone recover from leprosy, and when they did, it was considered to be miraculous. That's why they are desperately crying out to the Lord because they know he's their only hope. 
And Jesus responds to them in a really interesting way. You would expect that he would say, be healed. You would expect for him to say something, uh, something sort of Jesus-y. He doesn't say that. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, it meant something to them. Sounds weird to us. It meant something to them. When he said this, they knew something good was about to happen. Why? Because according to the Jewish law, when you are healed of leprosy, and this is in Leviticus, when you're healed of leprosy, you were required to go show yourselves to the priest so that they, before you could go back home, they had to certify that you had been cleansed, that you had been healed before you could go back. And so when Jesus said, go show yourselves, to the priest, they went towards the priest anticipating they were going to be healed. And it wasn't long after that that, they, uh, that that this incredible thing happened for them. They realized that their healing had manifested, that their skin was now clean. And, and it was an incredible thing because not only did it mean a reprieve of their death sentence, but it meant now that they could have their livelihood restored. They could go back to work. They could go back to their families. Jesus literally gave these 10 men their lives back. And, and so now that we understand the picture, I want us to see three really, I think, really important ways that gratitude connects to the deep foundational spiritual fruit that Jesus wants to see in our lives. And, we'll, and so first of all, gratitude reveals humility. Gratitude reveals Humility. Here, here's what I mean. The Bible notes that one of the men came back to Jesus, and he came back before he even got there. He's shouting, praise God, all along the way. And when he got to Jesus, he fell to the ground in a position of worship, and he thanked Jesus for what he had done in his life. He expressed gratitude to the one who had made him clean. That's what the, that's what the word says he had been cleansed. And interestingly enough, the one who came back to say thank you to Jesus was not the supposed racially and religiously superior Jews. It was the outcast and downtrodden Samaritan who came back. Now here's what stood out to me in this passage. And I think it stood out to Jesus as well because of what he says next. He, he didn't act, this, this Samaritan didn't act as if Jesus owed him this healing. He was genuinely grateful. This man was a Samaritan. He had no claim to Jesus as Messiah until the door was opened to the Gentiles. But he realized that, and he didn't push back against that. He simply thanked Jesus for doing what Jesus didn't have to do. That's humility. Because here's the reality. You can't be both grateful and proud. You can't do both. Gratitude requires humility because gratitude is this recognition of the important role that somebody else played in your story. It's this myth-busting understanding that there's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. Nobody gets where they are by themselves. And no one deserves to be given anything. Everything good that happens to us should be met with this sincere appreciation for the people who helped to make that happen in our lives, the people who were involved with us, even if it means that we have to dig a little deeper. Sometimes, sometimes we can get a little full of ourselves, can't we? Not y'all. Sometimes I get a little full of myself. My, my, my mama used to say, you're getting a little too big for your britches, boy. And I don't believe that meant I was eating too much. 
though that was also probably true, sometimes we start starring in our own uh, made-for-TV movie, right? We, we are the stars of our own story, and we start to think how important we are in this world and how incredibly talented and gifted and of whatever we are in our own story. And we stop to, we, we just don't think about all of the ways that so many other people played a part in giving us what we have. And so I want to share this really interesting story. It's really one of my favorite stories uh, about gratitude and humility. There was a, a man named Charles Plum. He was a U.S. Navy fighter pilot in Vietnam. After 75 combat missions, his plane was shot down by a surface-to-air missile. He, fortunately, he was able to uh, eject, and he parachuted uh, into enemy hands. He was captured. He spent the next six years as, uh, as a POW in a communist Vietnamese prison camp. When he survived the ordeal, obviously, and because of that, he was, uh, he was asked to speak all over the country uh, about his experience. And so one day as he, he and his wife were on the, on the tour and they were doing their thing, uh, he was approached at, at a restaurant. They were just sitting there eating, uh, eating dinner, and a man came up to him and said, you're, you're plum, aren't you? He said, you flew jet fighters in Vietnam off of the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk. He said, you were shot down, weren't you? And, and, and Plum was, was kind of taken aback, and he said, how in the world would you even know that? And this man looked at him and said, I packed your parachute. I packed your parachute. And Plum gasped in surprise and uh, in, in gratitude, and he took the man's hand, and he, and he shook his hand, and, and the man looked at him and said, I guess it worked. And he said, uh, yeah, I can assure you it worked because if it hadn't, I wouldn't be here today. And so they, they exchanged some pleasantries and they parted ways. But when he got home that night, Plum couldn't sleep. He couldn't stop thinking about this man. And he, kept, he, he said, I, I kept wondering what he might have looked like 25 years ago, 30 years ago in his Navy uniform, in his white hat, his bib in the back, and in his bell-bottom trousers. He said, I, I wondered how many times I might have seen him and not even said good morning, not even acknowledged his existence because, because he was, after all, a jet fighter, a jet pilot, and this guy was just a sailor. And so he, he thought of the many hours that this sailor had spent in the bowels of that of that aircraft carrier on this long wooden table, carefully weaving the shrouds and folding the silks of every parachute, holding in his hands every time the life, the fate of someone he didn't even know and who probably would never even acknowledge his existence. And so now when he speaks, Plum asks his audience, who packs your parachute? Who's done something for you that's helped your day be safer or easier or more pleasant? Or who have you witnessed packing for somebody else? And so I just want to encourage you this morning. Recognize those people who pack your parachutes. Recognize those people. Tell them thank you. Acknowledge their work and honor their presence by saying hello. We should never pass by another human being without acknowledging their presence. That, that shouldn't just be a southern thing. Like the kids, the kids ask me, uh, why are you waving at them? 
I don't know. I just, I just saw them. We wave. That's what we do. It's a human being. We made eye contact. Now I'm morally obligated to acknowledge them. And I, you know what? I, I think that's right. I think that's, some, that's something a Christian should do because we value the sanctity of human life. It's not just about saving unborn children. It's about recognizing the, the, the spark of the divine in everybody that we meet. And so we should recognize and honor those people the people who serve you in, at, at the, the counter in the people pleaser or in some convenience store, the, the, the person who serves you at the Cracker Barrel, recognizing, like, well, I don't have to be nice. That's their job. Well, it ain't your job to be a jerk, is it? Right? That, that's why people in retail, especially in the restaurant and the hospitality industry, hate to see Sundays come around. Because all these good church people go to church and they get out and they go invade and insult Everybody they go, it's, it's ridiculous. We are called to be grateful. Why do you think the tip on your check is called a gratuity? You're supposed to have some gratitude for the good service that you received. So you, you should acknowledge them. They're people just trying to make a living like the rest of us. Acknowledge them as human beings, not just in the role that they play. Say please. Say thank you. And you have to be sincere, not patronizing. Because people can spot a fake a mile away. They would rather you not say anything than say something sarcastic and, and talking down to them. The Samaritan humbly realized that Jesus didn't have to heal him. And he went back to say thank you. Gratitude reveals humility. And if I may flip the narrative for a second, if you have a hard time being grateful to people, ingratitude reveals arrogance. It reveals arrogance. Let's stay humble. Let's stay grateful before the Lord and before each other. Here's the second thing. Gratitude releases faith. Gratitude releases faith. It, it's really interesting what Jesus said to this man. Uh, after being a little irritated that the other nine didn't come back to express the same gratitude for the same blessing, Jesus told this man, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. Now, it depends on what translation, what version you read. Uh, the one we read says your faith has healed you. Many of the others say your faith has made you whole. Your faith has cured you. There, there's, a, there's a couple of different ways you can translate it. But it. It's interesting to me. What did Jesus know about this man's faith? How, how would he have known about his faith? They had not even had a conversation at that point. He kind of yelled at him from a distance to be healed, and then he came back to say thank you. They didn't talk about his faith. The only faith that appears to have been exercised by this man was that he had the faith to start walking toward the priest before he was actually cleansed. But all ten of them had done that. Why did Jesus call out this one man? How could he have seen faith? Because he was grateful. That's why. His gratitude didn't just reveal his humility, it also released his faith. He came back to say thank you, but in that one act, it released this former leper to a level of faith that would take him to another level in his relationship with Jesus. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. 
What is it about being grateful that connects with faith? What is it about being grateful that leads us to a deeper faith? And I think it might have something to do with, with the slippery slope effect. You've heard that. You start one thing and it leads you to a whole bunch of other things that you didn't intend to happen. So just go with me for a second. Have you ever had a, a, a near-death experience, um, like a, a for real near-death experience, or somebody that you know almost died, they, they, fortunately, by the grace of God, they, they are still alive. It changes a person, right? They, they're, they're different. They, they see things maybe that they've never seen before. They, they um, notice things that they've never noticed before. They are grateful to be alive, but not only grateful to be alive, they're grateful for everything. They start to notice things that maybe they hadn't before. They're, they're thankful that they're, uh, uh, that they're not only alive, but they're healthy, no matter what level of health that might be. They're, they're grateful for clean air all of a sudden. They're grateful for the trees that produce the clean air. They're grateful to God who made the trees, who produced the clean air, right? It's a slippery slope. They were just grateful to be alive, and now suddenly they're grateful for every little thing they can find. They're, they're grateful for their loved ones, grateful for the jobs that they have. They're grateful for the food that they eat. So they, they just started by being grateful for being alive, and then they realized that life is more than just breathing in and out. They realized that the little things really are the big things, and that everything, big and little, in their lives, every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, and they're just grateful. They're grateful. Let me show it to you in Psalm 95. This is what the psalmist said. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let's come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. One of the reasons that, that God encourages or even commands us to come before him with thanksgiving in our hearts is that it builds up our faith. When we think about the Lord and everything that he's already done for us, it, it builds our faith to believe him for the things that he's not yet done. Gratitude releases faith to trust him more and appreciate him more. Does that make sense? That's a really powerful result from something that's so simple. So before you begin to ask God in prayer for what you don't have, Start by praising him for what you do have. Gratitude releases your faith. And I want to show you the last thing because this is really sort of mind-blowing here. Gratitude receives favor. Gratitude receives favor. Now, I talked about this just a second ago. The, the original language uh, that, that talked about this grateful leper showed that he received something that the other nine did not receive. The, the word that was translated cleansed is what happened to all 10 of them. But there was, Jesus used another word for him when he said, your faith has healed you or made you whole. It's, it's two completely different words, and it indicates two completely different levels of favor that these people received. One for uh, the other nine and one higher level of favor for this one grateful leper, former leper. It's, it's two different words. Now, some, uh, some understand it to believe he, he received a deeper level of healing. I, I preached a message a few years ago called cleansed and cured, and that's one understanding of those words, that they, it wasn't just a relief of their symptoms. There was something deeper that had been done. But I think most translations believe it to be uh, an indication that he was not only healed, he was saved. 
He didn't just receive his cleansing, his healing. He received salvation that day. Either way, this grateful leper received something from the Lord that the others didn't. And, and, I, and it's kind of interesting that gratitude led to that. But I, I think I can show it to you why it makes some sense. Two, two scriptures, James chapter 4 and verse 6, uh, it says this, God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace. He gives favor to the humble. And one other passage in Hebrews chapter 11, also verse 6, it says, and without, uh, it is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. So here's how this formula works, okay? If gratitude reveals humility and gratitude builds or releases faith, then it makes sense based on these two scriptures that a person who is humble will receive favor. The person who has faith will also receive from the Lord. So it makes sense that a grateful person is going to receive favor from the Lord because they are humble and they have faith. See, here's the, the spiritual reality is requesting will always unlock more with God than demanding. Doesn't that make sense? As parents, don't, aren't you much more likely to give to your children what they request than what they demand? Doesn't that change the tone of the conversation? Um, I've heard people through the years talk about holding God to his word, demanding that he do certain things for them. I, I don't think that comes from a healthy spiritual place. I don't think they're reading the book right because that, it doesn't sound like faith and, and holy confidence to me when he says come boldly and confidently before the throne because of the relationship. To me, that sounds like arrogance. The road to grace, the road to favor, the road to power with God is paved with gratitude, not with arrogance. It prepare, it, it, gratitude prepares your heart to receive a deeper work and a more intimate walk with Jesus. So if you want favor in your life, it starts with humility. And since God knows the intent of your heart, you can't fake humility. You have to cultivate the real thing. And as with pretty much everything in your relationship with the Lord, it starts with repentance, right? Now, let me close with this. There's a lot of barriers in this world, a lot of barriers. If the singers and musicians would come, that'd, that'd be helpful. There's a lot of barriers in this world, right? We're divided a thousand different ways. There, there are racial barriers, there's socioeconomic barriers. There's still religious barriers. Even within religions, there's denominational barriers and sectarian um, barriers. There's political barriers and gender barriers. All kinds of ways to divide ourselves, just like the Jews and the Samaritans. But also, just like these lepers, our deep need for the touch of Jesus should be what brings us together. And the gratitude that we have when we, we receive the touch of Jesus should drive us to our knees in humility and worship. It should drive us to our knees in, in increasing our faith. And, and we should experience and appreciate the greater favor we have with the Lord, greater than we could ever imagine. So let's be grateful followers of Jesus. Not in the month of, not just in the month of November, in every season of every year. It is the will of God for his followers to be grateful. 
We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.